The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WHIO and Cox Media Group. This hour is sponsored by There is a Season. We want to put you on the WHIO payroll. I want to win so bad. Win $1,000 cash five times every weekday. Now you're talking. The WHIO payroll payout is sponsored by Saka, the Southern Ohio Chamber Alliance. Always looking out for the best interest of small business owners. You're on WHIO. There is a season Well, good morning and welcome to There is a Season, the Bob and Gloria show. This is the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf. And I'm Gloria Shanahan. Thank you so much for being with us again today. 457-1290 is the number to reach us. That's 937-457-1290. Today we embark on a complicated and one can even argue unwieldy topic Imagine just carrying a large box up some up the flight of stairs or something. You know, it's not always the easiest thing to move a big box when you're helping somebody move or something. Well, this topic raises enormous questions for all of us, and for which there are no simple answers to a lot of these questions. In this region and all across the country, what we're going to talk about today has been in the making for some time, and it is going to affect how all of us experience healthcare going forward. Many of us had figured over the last decade that the Affordable Care Act would have been the major driver of what we're now experiencing. But as we'll discuss further, that government program is really only one part of the picture. Additionally, going through the worst health crisis of our lifetimes may have pushed our health care system to the brink. But it was already a system that has been under enormous stress for many reasons and for many years. So while 2020 brought us COVID-19, the scourge that has killed millions and caused enormous economic and societal convulsions here and abroad, 2021 is different and also notable for what many healthcare professionals feel is potentially an even bigger, longer-lasting crisis. And that is the massive shortage of nurses. Yes, as Bob said, this is a healthcare crisis that will affect everyone, even after, God willing, we get COVID-19 under control. And today we're going to want to hear from you, and especially if you're a nurse. We'll have some questions for you and for others who'd like to join the conversation, but you'll have to call early at 937-457-1290. That's our number here in the studio. That's 457-1290. And even if you're not a current nurse, but a retired nurse, or you know one that was more recently a nurse, and we hope in, the, in this program, and if we need to do two shows, we'll do two shows, but we hope to cover uh, enough topics here that, that are um, you know, important to a lot of different people. You don't have to be a nurse, but this particularly focuses around the nursing profession. So as, as Gloria said, um, they'll be first in line, we hope, today, but we'll, uh, we'll have a chance for everyone to weigh in on this subject uh, going forward. Now, if you weren't generally aware of a nursing shortage, if this wasn't on your radar, well, then certainly in the last year, you've heard more about it. Things have been different. We've, we've gone from um, what will they call the kind of the mobile hospital mash units that, you know, were getting set up in places around the country during the, the initial and then the secondary spike in, in COVID cases. And we've heard about, um, you know, a lot of people being tired and, and exhausted. And, and uh, some people have likened this to 
a little bit of almost like a war, you know, that's been going on. Right. And uh, in, in some ways that people have sort of uh, likened the nurses, the ones who are out there doing a lot of this, to forgotten soldiers uh, because they've been fighting on the front lines. And maybe you know somebody who's going through this. We know a number of people who are uh, been going through this. So we kind of open our conversation there. It's going to get into a lot of different things here. We're going to talk about some stats and why and where this might be going and how it's going to affect uh, healthcare. But we're going to share something here from an article we found uh, on advisory.com um, that talks about what it really looks like going on in the field. As COVID-19 cases surge across the United States, many hospitals are grappling with shortages of nurses driven by early retirements, career changes, or moves to bigger hospitals that are offering higher wages and maybe larger bonuses. So Andrew Jacobs is reporting for the New York Times here, and uh, he talks to Cindy O'Brien, who's an emergency department nurse at Ocean Springs Hospital in Mississippi, and says that the healthcare system is barraged with patients and has nowhere to put them, but not due to a lack of physical hospital space. Nearly 30% of the health system's beds are vacant, but because the system has more than 100 unfilled nursing positions, those rooms must be kept empty. Since the start of the pandemic, many nurses have opted to retire early or move away from stressful positions in emergency rooms to other jobs in schools, summer camps, or private doctor's offices. In Mississippi uh, alone, for example, 2,000 fewer RNs uh, are currently working in that state since the start of the year, according to the Mississippi Hospital Association. Cindy O'Brien, the nurse at Ocean Springs, says, We are exhausted, both physically and emotionally. Other nurses are at their wits' end, says Lee Bond. He's the CEO, or could be a she, I guess, of Singing River, a health system that includes Ocean Springs. They're tired, overburdened, and they feel like forgotten soldiers. Maybe this sounds uh, something like someone you know who's been in this uh, fight for a while. This idea of just, you know, not knowing where any of this is going to go and, and really feeling as if you're front lines, almost like like you can't even get sick because you have such a responsibility to your job, but you're just tapped out. And we had a little bit of a reprieve, you know, per se of COVID-19 and now this new uptick, it's starting all over again, you know, so the rest period here or the, you know, the decompression period for these nurses, it wasn't long. So, and as we said, you know, COVID-19 has kind of brought a lot of this to the surface or put it on the map for a lot of people, but this shortage has been building for quite a while. And what yeah. are some of the factors? Well, it's driven by many factors, including an increased need for healthcare around the country. As America's largest generation, the baby boom generation gets older, there's going to be an unprecedented mounted, you know, strain on the healthcare system with over a million new nurses needed by 2030. That's a lot of nurses yeah. that we're going to need to crank out. I don't know? think anybody would argue, too, that, um, you know, studies have actually shown this. When hospitals and other healthcare facilities have the appropriate amount of nurses, it improves patient safety, mortality rates, and overall patient outcomes. I can't remember a time where there, I ever said, oh, there's too many nurses. Oh. I, you know, No, <laughs> they, they truly are, truly are a vital part of the healthcare system. I mean, I sometimes have experienced that the nurses are the ones that, as a patient, you depend on. I mean, they're I, in your they're room running, all the time. Yeah, they're, they're running, running the, the show, show right. I have to say it. They they're, really are. Other than the orders, they're running the show. Yeah. 
And unfortunately, having enough nurses to care for patients isn't always easy. For nearly a decade, the United States has been facing a critical nursing shortage. The shortage is expected to continue for several more years. And I don't know what several means to you, but I think it's going to go on for a long time. In fact, over one million new registered nurses will be needed by 2030 to meet health care demands. Yes. And in addition to newly created roles, the roles of nurses expected to retire or leave the profession, those are also going to need to be filled. The United States Bureau of Labor Statistics projects this will create a total of just shy of 176,000 openings. Okay, wait, hear this for RNs every year until 2029. Every year. Yeah. Every year. That, that is a lot of nurses. And RNs aren't the only role that needs to uh, increase or have new graduates over the next decade. The Bureau of Labor Statistics also predicts growth across multiple nursing roles, including LPNs. An additional 65,000 uh, new LPNs will be uh, roles will need to be created by 2029. That's a growth of 9%. Nurse anesthetists, did I get that? I did without too much spit. <laughs> Nurse anesthetists uh, need an additional 6,200. Uh, roles by 2029. And what else? Nurse practitioners, and uh, that will um, need a growth of 52%. So we're going to need another 111,000 of those by 2029. And then nurse midwives will need 800 more of those, which is a growth of 12%. And it goes on to point out that the need for nurses with master's degrees such as those nurse anesthetists and nurse practitioners, will also drive some need then for new RNs because they start out as bedside nurses. So as right. they move on into larger roles, you know. That some more be, education is going yeah. to be needed. That's one of the solutions. Uh, and there's a lot of other things we'll talk about here uh, that come under the, the, the general title of remedy. But, you know, where, where was this going on? And there is, of course, today's snapshot, but also the last time they took a major study of any of this was about 2017. And they were looking at where nursing levels were in 2014 and then projecting where they were going to be, as we've said here, by 2030. And the states with the biggest gaps in, in what they measure, is they call it adequacy, you know, the, an adequate number of nurses for these states. Well, the top state at that time was California, uh, partly driven by the enormous size of California's population. Right. That and makes I, sense. I think they were looking at a shortage of 45,000 nurses in that state. Texas was also up on the list. New Jersey, South Carolina, uh, Alaska, Georgia, and South Dakota. Those were kind of the top group then, but we've learned that some other states are, are on the top now. Well, and, and much is due to the pandemic and the increasing number of patients entering the hospitals. The state of Florida was recently mentioned, um, you know, in, in um, local news media about, I think that they're down 6,000 nurses or something like that, don't quote me on that, in the state of Florida right now. And if you're looking in this area, <clears throat> at the time the study was done, this is going back now four years, Ohio actually had a surplus, if you want to look at it that way, an adequacy surplus statistically. It was one of the states that was not struggling in terms of the, the nursing shortage. Uh, Indiana and Kentucky, also similar in that they were kind of doing pretty well. Yeah. But in 2017, what have you seen uh, in the local scene, whether you've been a patient or whether you've been a nurse? Has that been reflected in your own experience? Yeah, or even a physician, right? Sure. We'd love to hear from that. 457-1290. 457-1290 is the number today as we talk about the nursing shortage. Who is this, please? 
Hey, good morning. This is Doug. I agree. There was a commentary on that, Doug Sattel, S-I-T-T-E-L, on Google. You scroll the YouTube uploads to the picture of the hand over the glass. Captain, uh, please admit he tells you who was... Re- okay, I'm not I'm not sure that that was uh, the kind of call we were looking for. But anyway, 457-1290, we do want to hear from nurses today. If you've been in this field and seen this shortage coming, if you sensed it even before the COVID uh, was going on, um, we'd like to hear your opinion on that. If you've been retired or maybe you've stepped out of one of these frontline positions we talked about where you've been out on the emergency for something uh, a little less hectic, we'd love to hear from you too. What's your insight on this regarding shortages? And is any of this, um, how do I want to put this, locally made? Is it because of decisions going on in the organizations you worked for? Do you sense that there's been some impact by their decisions uh, at, at the various healthcare uh, networks. Yeah, and you don't really need to give your real name, and, and we, we certainly don't need to hear of uh, any particular hospital systems. Right. We just want your, you know, your overall take on what's going on, why it might be going on, and how it's affecting things. So 457-1290 is the number. We're going to be uh, talking about uh, what are some of the major factors that have driven this shortage and how it could be affecting healthcare. So get in early, 937-457-1290 when we continue this morning on There is a Season. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. And we're talking today about the nursing shortage. Maybe this has appeared to you. Maybe you've experienced it in some way. Maybe you're a nurse or another healthcare provider that that feels the shortage or sees the repercussions of this shortage. Confidential? Call? Just talk to us. Tell us what you think. We'd love to hear from you today. What's that number? 457-1290 is the number to join us this morning in the studio. And again, especially if you're a nurse current, retired, or pending, maybe even a patient that has experienced it on the front lines, per right. se. Right. You're, you're a customer. Right. So we, we alluded in the uh, the open here about some of the major reasons uh, that this is going in this direction. And one of them, obviously, you'd, you'd have to have been kind of under a rock if you didn't know this or you weren't listening to this show ever. There are many people today under rocks, Bob. And many more who don't listen to the show. Or there no. you go. Yeah, well, wait like a minute. That. We better stop yeah. right while we're ahead. I, what did I say? We're up to 23 listeners now. I yeah, I, I don't think something. we ought to go any further with that. So why <laughs> is there a nursing shortage? You know, why? Well, one of the big things is demographics. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's really a complex problem, but the growing population of older adults, right? So the generation born between 1946 and 1964, known as those baby boomers, is one of the largest in American history. About 21% of current American adults are baby boomers. Now, there will be a projected 71 million Americans age 65 or older by 2029. Age-related conditions lead to significant rise in the need for, you know, our healthcare services. In fact, the Centers for Disease Control Prevention, trusted source reports, that over half of Americans that are over the age of 65 have two or more chronic health conditions. And then plus with advances in healthcare and movements to improve healthcare access, the baby boomer generation will likely have, we've talked about this, a longer lifespan 
So there goes even more need right. for healthcare, more, right? More people, more usage. and Longer life, <laughs> more usage. It's a, it's a triple threat there. Right. Uh, that is going to affect the system. Another thing that's gone on has, uh, of course, and this has really been in the last decade uh, particularly, but healthcare reforms. Recent changes to the healthcare system have increased the number of Americans who can access care or who chose to access care. A lot of people sat on the sidelines saying, I'm not going to worry about it, right? But with the Affordable Care Act, they were swept into the system. Uh, and people have said, well, I'll take advantage of this now. I'll use this. Um, and this has shifted the healthcare focus into a lot of nursing-driven roles. For example, the Affordable Care Act made it possible for more Americans to get health insurance. In many states, this meant that more people qualified for Medicaid. Newly insured people are now able to seek the care they couldn't in previous years, creating a demand for more nurses. There have also been initiatives to minimize hospital stays over the last several years, and this has led to the increasing importance of primary care urgent care, and home health care. This is all in the run-up to COVID, remember. Nurses have an important role to play, and we'll see increased demand as health care continues to change in America. Right. And then there's the retirement and burnout. The millions of Americans who will be reaching their mid-60s over the next decade doesn't just mean that there will be an increased need for health care services. Those Americans will also be retiring themselves and leaving job openings in fields like nursing. In fact, the average age of RNs in this country is 50 years old. That amazed me. That, that really just stunned me. For some reason, 50 years old seems like the a fairly average. high median age. Right. And additionally, the COVID-19 pandemic sped up the retirement of many nurses across the country, leading to an even greater nursing shortage. The retirement of experienced nurses also leaves a lack of nurses qualified to train and educate new nurses. Now, as current nurse educators retire, nursing programs around the country need capable teachers to take their place. And without enough faculty, nursing programs won't be able to train enough nurses to address this shortage and the one that is forthcoming. However, nurses reaching retirement age aren't the only ones right now that are leaving the profession. As the COVID-19 pandemic demonstrated, nursing is an incredibly stressful and demanding job. Nursing burnout and lack of support are common and lead to skilled RNs leaving the field or transitioning to other healthcare roles. And I've heard this firsthand. Yeah, and you can imagine then that the fallout ripples in a lot of different directions. We talked about nurse burnout, right? It's both a cause and a symptom of the nursing shortage. When you get burned out, you leave the profession. That makes it even harder for the remaining people. Understaffed nursing units will increase pressure and stress on the remaining nurses. There'll be longer wait times for care. And if you haven't seen that in a hospital... And I hope you don't have to see it because nobody wants to be in the hospital. Because there's already been long wait times traditionally, right? Yes, yeah, but you will sometimes spend a long time getting basic things when you hit that buzzer mm-hmm. um, because people are stretched thin because the staffing is covering sometimes a whole floor you know, yeah. with one person. And another concerning issue is you know, things like medication errors and even fatalities. You know, if, if they're rushed or they have too many patients to care for, um, you know, all the care and safety is improved when there's an appropriate number of nurses on staffed each shift. Yes. And um, care delivery is more likely um, to to be less quality driven, right, when facilities are understaffed. And those can have serious consequences. Yes. So we'd like to know, certainly from the nurses and other health professionals, what's your take on all of this? Did you see it coming? Were you experiencing it before covid What have you experienced since COVID? Have you seen a lot of people leaving the profession or going other places? 
Um, what do you think is being done about it? What have you seen done about it? What are you going to do about these shortages personally? Um, there's a lot of things we want to ask the health professionals and also those people who are in the healthcare system receiving these services. Are you concerned about it? What's happening with the nurse shortage? 457-1290. 457-1290 when we continue after the news. You are listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season, the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf, And I'm Gloria Shanahan. And 457-1290 is the number to join in on this conversation about the nursing shortage and or burnout. Um, you know, if you're a nurse, a doctor, you know, an NP, whatever, give us a call. We, we just kind of like your insight into all of this. Um, and you don't have to give your name. And you don't have to say where you work or yeah. worked. In case there's any reluctance just, to, to yeah, weigh in on it, you just know. Give us a call because we're really curious from somebody that has been on the front lines or is, you know, kind of what. You what can it's give like. an assumed name. You could just you know, like pick a famous author or somebody from the past. Yeah. You know, this is Emily Dickinson calling. There you go. And, you know, we'll know. Wink, wink. But we'd love to hear from you. We'd also love to hear from uh, the customers of the healthcare system. If you've been uh, a patient recently at a hospital or some some other environment, uh, what have you experienced in terms of a shortage? Does that longer waits? Did you notice anything or, or maybe not? Right. And we all do have to, no pun intended, be a little more patient as a patient <laughs> I, right I get now. The, I get the we do. joke. We, have to, we do have to be understanding. Demonstrating you know, our literary their... excellence here again. I am, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. All right. So what does the nursing shortage mean for patients? We'll talk to some nurses and doctors as they call in. Uh, but what does it mean for patients? According to hospital executives, state health officials and medical workers, the shortages are complicating efforts to treat hospitalized coronavirus patients, leading to longer emergency room waiting times and rushed or inadequate care. So some people have noticed that Emergency rooms and ICUs can't move patients if hospitals don't have enough nurses to treat patients who need less intensive care. This creates a logjam, making it harder to admit the new patients. Right. And further, an analysis conducted by the Times found that one in five ICUs are at least 95% at capacity, which makes it difficult for providers to maintain standards of care for patients. When hospitals, as quoted, are understaffed, People die. Patricia Pittman, director of the Healthcare Workforce Research Center at George Washington University, said in a Florida county where hospitals are exceeding their capacity, officials have urged the public to, quote, consider other options before they call 911. And one man in Houston, Texas, who had six gunshot wounds, had to wait a week before he was able to get surgery to repair his shattered shoulder. So uh, that's I mean, making me wonder if you if you go in with six gunshot wounds, you, you would hope to be treated in the ER, but do they just patch you up and say, come back, we'll do the surgery? You know, that should hold. That should, those bandages should hold you. I mean, I don't know, but you know, how I, do you not get admitted? I have that? been accused of practicing without a license for many, many years. It runs in my family. So, Bob, 
if something happens, you'll just come on a, over. Yeah, you just sanitize the garage and I'll give you, know, you a little bourbon go. or something and we'll get moving. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Maureen Padilla, uh, who oversees nursing at Harris Health in Texas, says if it's a broken ankle that needs a pin, it's going to have to wait. Our nurses are working so hard, but they can only do so much. According to uh, she and her peers, Harris Health currently has 400 openings, 400 in one organization for nurses, including 17 that opened up just within the past three weeks. You want to be there in someone's moment of need, but when you're in a disaster mode and trying to keep your finger on the leak of the dike, you can't give every patient the care they deserve, says Luann Woodward, a top executive at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And staffing shortages have led to this bidding war for nurses with these larger hospitals able to offer more enticing wages and bonuses. For example, Texas Emergency Hospital has lost their experienced nurses to recruiters that are offering $20,000 signing bonuses and $140 per hour wages. And if That's unbelievable. I don't quote me on this, but I believe, at least here locally, local wages for nurses are anywhere between... Twenty-seven fifty and maybe thirty-two dollars max an hour. So that's a huge increase. Yes. Who wouldn't be enticed by that? Yeah, and, and it, you know this is a lower cost of living area of the of the country anyway. So you know if nurses are making fifties or sixties here and they're making eighties or nineties someplace else, there's a certain parity to that. But we're talking about uh, signing bonuses and people using these strategies to pull people away from hospital jobs. Right. You know we've got these traveling nurses now that are being paid, you know, enormous amounts of money. And, you know, I think we've always had traveling nurses, but right now with COVID-19, that's a lucrative offer for people who can do that type of work. Right. Who'll go from city to city city. and and pick up a gig and, uh, you know, work all the hard hours and they're making a lot of money for it. Right. Right. And I guess the trade-off was, we were saying they didn't, maybe they don't have a benefit package. Uh, Yeah. Okay. So because they're making more. And and hospitals may weigh that and say, all right, we'll do anything just to get the thing staffed as long as we don't have the long-term, you know, costs of a benefit package. You know, I don't know. You know, and then there's this whole thing. I don't think we've even mentioned it yet, but so there's all these reasons for these shortages. And, you know, we know that there's the vaccine mandates, too, and people are picketing and saying, I'm I'm done. I'm just going to quit if I have to get this vaccine. Not all nurses, obviously, right? Right. So we've got a lot of issues here. It's so complex why we don't have enough. And, and it makes it really nurses. makes you scratch your head. So you've got these things going on with the demographics, like you said. You've got people getting older and kind of swapping the system. You've got COVID in there, which is probably, you know, reasonably burned out a lot of people, but also scared a lot of people maybe from staying in these high-intensity roles uh, as nurses. But then you scratch your head and go, well, why would the healthcare system do this? And and there's, a, there's both sides to this. I can see how people would say, and we did a show on this earlier. What are you going to do in your job if it suddenly becomes mandated for you to get a vaccine? Well, in the healthcare system, people believe the vaccine is going to protect a lot of the patients, you know, the core customer base, as well as the other employees. On the other hand, to insist on this is driving people away, which only exacerbates this problem of the shortage. Right. I don't I don't have a dog in the race on that whole issue, but I've heard nurses say, you know, I was good enough for the whole year and a half. We were fighting the first wave without a vaccine. And now I'm not, you know, like I've already been through it all, you know, yeah. it, and, you and, know, it's a, it's tough. There are no easy answers for this. There really aren't. So we're looking to you. If you're listening to this program to give us the answer, please. I mean, that's the only reason we're here. Four five seven twelve ninety nine three seven four five seven twelve ninety. If you're a nurse, you've been a nurse 
or some other healthcare professional. We'd love to hear your take on the topic. And also, if you've been a customer who has experienced the nursing shortage, we wouldn't mind hearing your story, too. What does it look like out there on the front lines in terms of waiting and all that? Uh, Now, there's a lot of uh, different thoughts about what could be done to remedy this situation, but none of these are overnight fixes. You know, the difficulty in increasing the nurse workforce is rather complicated. Among the factors um, is that an awful lot of nurses are nearing retirement. We talked about the median age being 50. So you have all of this experience drain that was going on anyway. Right. Right. A lot of people rolling into retirement. As we said, people are burned out from the pandemic. Currently, the United States graduates about 170,000 nurses a year. But 80,000 qualified applicants were rejected in 2019 because there weren't enough teachers, according to the American Association of the Colleges of Nursing. So there's another complication here in the whole system. Not enough people to teach the next generation of nurses. Right. And as COVID-19 cases surge across the United States, once again, many hospitals are indeed, as we've pointed out, grappling with these shortages of nurses driven by these early retirement career changes and moves to bigger hospitals, right? Um, So... You know, we're we're struggling already. Now, you know, we need more educational opportunities. That's one way that we could straddle this situation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, need to make options that are maybe easier for aspiring nurses to get the education they need. Encouraging and supporting students to earn a bachelor's degree and to move on to higher education is an important step toward preparing qualified nurses. Additionally, online course options and flexible schedules can make school possible for more people. Right. There right. are some online nursing programs, you know, to an extent. You still need to have your hands on. but So, you know, this is all happening within the context, obviously, most recently about the COVID. So, uh, so we've talked about incentives to possibly get people into school, to, to hire a way to get people into the profession. But one thing I'm wondering is, our students, you know, who thought about being in the healthcare system now, maybe they're afraid. Maybe they don't want to go into something that they perceive as perhaps dangerous. Yeah, they or, might or, change know. their major. We do have a caller. This is Kelly calling the program. Welcome to There is a Season. Kelly, how are you? Good, how are you? I can barely hear you. Let me crank this up just a little bit. Okay. Oh, so, sorry. All right. Is that any better? Yeah, yeah, that's good. So you're a nurse and... Uh, I see here in the notes that uh, you wanted to talk a little bit about the vaccine mandate and what impact that's had. Yeah, so um, I just wanted to weigh in a little bit, um, you know, because I heard you guys kind of grappling with the two sides of the the issue. And um, I agree. I don't think it's a black and white, um, easy decision. But I will say that um, I'm actually not a clinical nurse. I actually work from home. And they're still mandating the vaccine at the healthcare organization that I work for. And um, so it does beg the question, is this really about protecting the patients or is this about control? Because um, when you don't even work in the clinical setting and they're still mandating, um, you know, I just can't see that. Um, I think that it's a violation of the Patient Self-Determination Act. Because at the point that they require you to have something injected into your body, you become the patient and you should have the right to refuse that treatment if you don't think that it's medically sound or whatever your reason is. 
Yeah, we we were actually uh, talking about this in a little bit different context, uh, you know, as we were getting ready for the show here and, and saying, you know, people who have been hired on in large organizations to see that vaccinations, uh, that the vaccination goals are met. Well, it's not like they're going to roll out of their jobs anytime soon. So if before somebody said, hey, we want to get to the goal of 70 percent, that didn't really satisfy people. So if they got to 80 percent, then they were saying, well, you know, why is my job here? My job here is to make sure as many people as possible get the vaccine. And so they keep marching on. There seems to be an almost absolutist uh, connotation to this in a lot of organizations. Um, where where it's never enough. If you had 90%, and it also, for us, it was sort of begging the question, um, in, in general organizations, if some people are vaccinated, why do they care if other people are not vaccinated? Because supposedly yeah. the vaccine's supposed to protect you, right? So do we need universal vaccinations? That's... A big question nobody seems to want to talk about. Right. So I I agree here with Kelly. If if you are on the front lines in caring for patients, I still do believe it's very, it's not black and white. But if you are working for a healthcare organization and you have no um, contact with patients, I also, I I would have a problem with that, I believe. I I just believe there should be choice. What what are your peers saying? Oh, I'm sorry. What what are the what are some of your peers saying? Are they also feeling this pressure? And you know, what's um, the long term yeah, outlook? So it's kind of um, you know, for the most part, I would say that most of the people that I work with are very pro vaccine and they're for it. There's at least one other person that kind of has the same sentiments as me that it just doesn't it doesn't feel right, and we're just not convinced, um, you know, about the efficacy or the safety of it, regardless of what you know, being pushed because there's a lot of evidence to the contrary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I just think that it sets um, a very scary precedent. It's a very slippery slope because once you can really mandate vaccines, what can they mandate next? Because it almost just feels like if they label anything as a public health crisis, they can compel you to do whatever they want you to do. And, you know, what they'll argue to that is, you know, most employers in Ohio are, you know, considered at-will employers. And so their response is, well, this is just a term of your, you know, this is conditions of employment. And if you don't like it, you don't have to do it. You just don't have to work here. Right. But the problem becomes, well, what do healthcare workers do then when all healthcare organizations, you know, set these same standards? It kind of forces people to choose between providing for their families and their livelihoods or being injected with whatever comes along that someone says you have to take. Um, and and it, I just, to me, it just feels very fascist and it and it's concerning. It's alarming to me. What do you think is going to be the only, your prognosis or your outlook? Do you think you're going to have much more of a career left or are you going to have to look to do something else? You know, I don't really know. Um, you know, we're not to the point where we've hit the deadline, the hard stops yet. So, um, you know, I'm not immediately out of a job, but, um, you know, those deadlines are quickly approaching and, and I don't really know. I guess I was looking to my state legislature, hoping that, um, you know, our elected officials and our leaders would do the right thing and step in and um, approve some legislation that would protect people. But it doesn't uh, look like that's maybe going to happen. It looks like that's going to be the the battle probably going forward here in the next year. Kelly, I appreciate you calling in and sharing your uh, your experience with us, and uh, we're going to wish you the best of luck and certainly invite you to call back, okay? 
Thank let you. us know how things turn out as you yeah. go forward. Thank We've you. got more for you. We're even going to uh, briefly touch on what some people think could be some remedies for the shortage, if we can, uh, or we'll maybe just take up more calls. We can always hold this topic over for another show. We'll be right back. You are listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7, WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. We've been talking today about the nursing shortage and we heard, heard from Kelly, and she made some good points about personal freedom. And, you know, if, if uh, the government can insist on this or your employer can insist on, on this, why can't they insist on other things? But, of course, there's some countervailing uh, uh, opinions about this. And we have James here from Dayton. I think we'll welcome him uh, to the program. We don't have a ton of time, but let's hear what he's got to say, because I think it, it shows you just how complicated this whole issue is. James, uh, you're on the air. How are you doing? Yes, how are you doing? All right, and let's. Why don't you just recap what you shared with me off off the air? Well, basically, uh, as a, as an employer, you know, I understand that a person's personal freedoms all day long. But as an employer, if the government is mandating that this is what the safest way is to operate, why should an employer be enticed to have unvaccinated workers in their in their facilities that can cost them production time? Overtime. I mean, Lord forbid some kind of outbreak state, uh, breaks out. Employers aren't protected from this. So now you're being sued. So I understand that people have to make decisions for their personal health. But at the same time, your decision shouldn't infringe on anybody else's pocketbook. And by you t- making that decision, if you happen to lose your career behind it, I mean, that's life. You know? Yeah, yeah it, uh, it, it really is kind of a tough uh, decision because... Is. It is going to open up the uh, the can of worms for lawsuits at all different levels. While the pharmaceutical companies were indemnified in the production of these vaccines, they couldn't be sued. It doesn't mean individual employers couldn't. And whether or not you can prove that somebody got sick while on the job or while at Kroger or some other location... But we all know the first place that employees are going to blame anything physically that happens to them. That's just, it, that's, right. That's just the way it's and, and it's going to cost you, you know? money to defend it even if you win the lawsuit. Correct. Right. So, yeah. yes, it is a touchy issue because, you know, I've seen – I'm vaccinated. You know, I've seen the thing about four, four months to five years I'm going to be gone and all of that. But, I mean, you know, there is no proven facts that what the government is telling us at this point is incorrect. Right. So, therefore, if this is the safest way – for an employer to operate, yeah, employees I can, have that decision to make. Yeah, I can see your point, James, and I'm, I'm going to have to leave it there because i got to get going here. But th- you make a good point, and we're going to come back to that probably over the next several weeks. We're going to talk about some of these dynamics as they go back and forth. We are out of time, but we're going to be right back here talking about the big issues that affect your life. For Gloria Shanahan, for our producers, and everyone who makes the show possible... I want to thank you today for spending some time with us. Think about these things. Join us again next week as we talk about more of the important issues going on in the world. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Have yourself a blessed week. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk.